0: Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. The Football,
1: the Football Podcast. Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode fifteen of Game of Thrones. I'm your host, Jack McCardle, and we are back. We are back. Apart from Gertrude, we are back. I'm joined this evening by Phil. Hi, Phil. Hey, mate. How you doing? It's good to be back. Two weeks off. Feeling fresh? Well, I'm not feeling fresh, but I'm. Let's say I'm feeling fresh and ready to go again. We're also joined this evening by Eric, Pele's grandson. Hello, how are you doing? Hi, Jack. Hi, everyone. All good. Good to hear. And last but not least, we're joined by our Italian expert, Alvaro Ricoba's brother, Davide Clary. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm left-handed too. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Whoa. <laughs> <coughs> Okay, let's add the beep (laughs) to that.
1: Davide will no doubt have something to say on the Champions League, or more likely he'll be in the Europa League chat with me later on. We're going to start with the Champions League. Um, The draw for the round of 16 was on Monday. Threw up some interesting ties, and we're going to go through and talk about them. Um, First of all, we have an intriguing tie um, between Borussia Dortmund and PSG. Dortmund just about made it through the group... With Barcelona at the expense of Inter, I'm sorry to say, Davide. How do you see this one? What what do you see? What do you see happening in this one, Davide?
2: I think um, Borussia has chances. I really see. I think Borussia has chances. Uh, on on paper, PSG is much a better team, but Borussia's organization and uh, offensive football can put some difficulties into into PSG. We will see what happens uh, if. I mean Borussia Dortmund has uh, had great matches uh, and uh, bad ones especially defensively. If they can cope with uh, the with the strikers from PSG then uh, they have chances. If of course if they cannot stop uh, Di Maria, Neymar, Icardi, uh, Cavani then no chances. But I I see them uh, I see them standing chances to be fair.
3: Well Neymar will be missing in mm. at least one of the times. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I was just
1: going to say that.
3: Because it will be around March 11th. Yeah, of and course. we all know that's his sister's, sister's birthday. birthday.
2: Too important. Much more important than our Champions League.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last five seasons he was, quotation marks, injured. So, <laughs> yeah. We all know he will be missing there. I'd say Dortmund have a chance if they can prevent defensive errors like we've seen before and if Berkey can keep performing with or without Sancho but I think PSG will squeeze through
1: it's going to be tough I think PSG the one doubt we have about PSG we know they're full of talent but do they have the kind of Mentality to go far in a Champions League. They keep losing it. They even lost to Man United in the last last year's quarterfinals, and you had to really, really play badly to, use, to lose to United. But they, they've added solidity in midfield this summer with uh, Adrissa Gay from Everton. They look a bit more solid in midfield now with Verratti, Adrissa Gay, and Marquinhos at the base of the PSG midfield. Um, and they've got, we all know about their firepower Mbappe, Cavani, Icardi, who's having a great season, Neymar. Obviously, you can decide any game. So, guys, I'm just going to ask you for your for your predictions. I want a result now. Eric, Dortmund, PSG. PSG on penalties. Oh, brave Phil. Um, PSG.
3: Score. Oh, it's two ties. I don't know. David, you
2: don't
1: make predictions. Uh,
2: if it if it if it goes to penalties, Dortmund.
1: Okay very good uh, moving on to the next one now Tottenham against RB Leipzig and I was very very intrigued by this game I think this could be uh, this could be a quite a good one obviously the Mourinho factor at Tottenham he's got them organised they're doing very very well um, just one loss in four games under Mourinho Red Bull Leipzig as much as they are hated in the footballing world especially in Germany have a great manager in Julian Nagelsmann now and are riding high in the Bundesliga looking like a title contender this season Phil how do you see this one going?
3: Dear Jose, please, 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 please please (laughs) knock him out. Okay, so I want Tottenham to win no matter what, no matter how, no matter if the linesman has to score. I don't care. Just kick him out. They don't belong to football. This team maybe, this manager maybe, but this club does not belong anywhere. The same goes for Salzburg. Kick them out.
1: Very diplomatic from Phil there. Eric, perhaps a more balanced viewpoint now. Um, Tottenham against uh, RB Leipzig, what what do you think of that one?
0: I think Spurs will go through. It'll be a tight one. Uh, Leipzig are doing really well. They seem more mature under Nagelsmann, but I think the Mourinho factor and Spurs are gaining momentum
1: now. Definitely. And Davide, no need to ask you, with the Mourinho factor, I think you'll predict maybe 17-0 to Tottenham?
2: Well, I hope so. Of, of course, I support uh, God, but I still think Tottenham <laughs> needs something, some addiction to the to the team to compete uh, to different levels. And uh, we don't know what's going to happen in a, in a couple of months. I mean, uh, except Liverpool, uh, the competition in Premier League is really, really tight. Tottenham is still close to the second place so they could uh, gain points. And we, we really don't know what's going to happen in a couple of months. So, if they sign a couple of players uh, in January, yes, they will go th- go through. If they don't, uh, I don't know because maybe some turnover may may happen. Uh, maybe they can concentrate more on the league. Uh, we will see. We will really see what happens in the end. I think Tottenham will make it, but it's not going to be so easy as uh, as many many expect.
3: As you just said, that <laughs> Mourinho is kind of god to you and I made a similar comparison. Why kind of? Why kind of? Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. He's god. I'm sorry I made a similar comparison that's what I wanted to say with um, Maradona before we started recording and then this thought came to my mind what I really would like to see is a Champions League semi-final between two clubs managed by Jose Mourinho and Diego Armando Maradona and I want to see those press conferences. <laughs> that would be delicious.
1: <laughs> Indeed. I think Leipzig, they also have to be careful of uh, the January transfer window. I mean, uh, their best players could get taken away in January. Timo Werner is a target for many clubs, including Manchester United and Liverpool. And uh, you know, Leipzig's defenders, uh, Upambigano and Konati, Both targets for Arsenal, although who would want to go to Arsenal at the moment, let's face it. I think this is going to be a tight one, but with Spurs' quality going forward with Son and Kane and Lucas Moura, who's really come into form, I see a narrow, probably a narrow Tottenham win in this one. Moving along, Atalanta against Valencia. Davide, how do you fancy Atalanta's chances here?
2: Well, they have been really lucky with the draw. I wouldn't expect Atalanta to stand a chance against any of the other seven winners of the, of the groups. The, the only team I expected them to have a chance with is Valencia, especially having the first match in San Siro. It will be a big atmosphere. I'm pretty sure it won't be crowded, but at least 40 45,000 people. Tuvan Zapata may be back by, by then. So um, I really think Atalanta can make it. I I really really think Atalanta can make it through the through the group. If they play the first match uh, as they can, then uh, I I think. Uh,
1: Valencia would be kicked out Indeed Valencia not really Pulling up any trees In La Liga um, Just upper mid table But they do have talent The likes of Danny Parejo um, Kevin Gamera they, 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 they are Jeffrey Condogbia Who you remember From uh, Inter Milan
2: Unfortunately I do Yes
1: <laughs> they, they do have talent And on their day They can put in A good performance That will be interesting um, Interesting to see The result of that one Moving along Atletico Madrid Of Diego Simeone Against Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool Phil Oh,
3: it's a very even tie. Um, Both tactical, very good managers. It will be very tight. And I guess we will squeeze through at the end. Yeah, so I'd say Liverpool.
1: I'm going to go Liverpool as well. I think um, Atletico going forward this season, too many draws, not enough firepower. Um, Morata is... Not enough Griezmann. Not enough Griezmann. Morata isn't really... Um, doing much Diego Costa looks like he is completely lost when he's on the field at the moment um, Eric how do you see this one going Atletico Liverpool
0: uh, Liverpool should scrape through I think it won't be an easy tie but I just don't see a Atletico Madrid as strong as
1: they were a few years ago definitely um, moving along Chelsea against Bayern Munich um, Davide what do you think of that one Chelsea got through the group in the last um last game week of the of the group stage. Um do you think they stand any chance against Bayern?
2: Yes, I think they do. I think it would be a very very tight and very even uh, tie. I think Bayern is a better team. But they had uh, highs and lows this season. So I mean, it's uh, 180 minutes, just two matches. So if you if you make a mistake in the first one and then the second one uh, it's undeniably harder and you never know what, what can happen <clears throat> of course Bayern in my opinion is a the, is the better team they have uh, more choices uh, a, a phenomenal uh, attack but Chelsea stand chances the enthusiasm of these young players of, uh, of Tomori of uh, Mason Mount of uh, Tammy Abraham they're doing so well in, uh, in the Premier League If they find the the perfect match, the, the right match at home in the first one, it's not going to be easy for Bayern.
1: For sure. Arguably the tie of the round, Real Madrid against Manchester City, Zidane against Pep. Phil, who do you see winning this one?
3: As Manchester City can only have one goal this season as the table stands, they will throw everything at Zidane and Real to win this tie. And my prediction is actually that they will go through pretty clearly because let's face it real are pretty poorly this season and they will stay this way if they won't grow out that old team and so yeah man city go through definitely
1: eric can you make a case for real madrid not
0: really i think basically if laporte comes back and is fit and City don't suffer any injuries to Aguero, De Bruyne. I can
1: see City going through. We'll see. that. I think that will be the tie of the round. I think, um, as we said, if City get uh, Laporte and Sane back in time for the Champions League first leg, I think they'll have too much Real Madrid. But Real Madrid, actually, in the last few weeks in La Liga have looked uh, like getting some of their old form back. Benzema scoring well. I think it could go either way, but I think City have to be the favourites, especially playing away in the first game. Um, two more games to go I think the most one-sided game of the round of 16 Lyon who are in crisis against Juventus who aren't fantastic either at the moment Uh, Davide surely this should be a nailed on Juventus win Lyon in crisis uh, their two best players Memphis Depay and Jeffrey in Adelaide this season uh, both out for six months both with crucially ligament injuries fighting with the fans it's, it's surely Juventus should win this pretty easily.
2: Yeah, indeed. I don't see Lyon standing at any chance against Juve. Juve are going are going to win probably 3-0 in Lyon and play with uh, some academy or reserve players in the second leg and still win.
1: Definitely, Lyon arguably the weakest team um, left in the Champions League, except maybe Atalanta. The, finally, Napoli against Barcelona. Napoli, who've just sacked Carlo Ancelotti and hired Davide's favourite player of all time, Gennaro Gattuso. <laughs> 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 Napoli against Barcelona. The way Napoli are playing this season, Davide, it should be—I mean, awful. awful. It, sh- it should be pretty, pretty straightforward for Barcelona too.
2: It's going to be extremely easy for Barcelona unless uh, Napoli gets rid of uh, the players who are uh, playing against the club and uh, signs uh, some new players. I'm I'm not saying uh, it's Mertens or Allan or any of the players' fault. It's clearly the management's fault because you cannot you cannot. Simply start the season uh, saying, I'm not going to, to make new offers uh, to, to prolong the contract to Mertens and Callejon, which are probably two of your most important players. You cannot start the season like that. You cannot uh, go on into the season uh, uh, blocking the players from going home, stopping their salaries. Uh, it's, it's going to be a mess. It wasn't Ancelotti's fault. It's not going to be Gattuso's fault. But it's going to be extremely easy for Barcelona to, to pass. Napoli does, doesn't stand a chance. Napoli would stand a very few chances if they played all on the same side. Playing everyone for,
1: for themselves, no chances. Indeed. Uh, the Champions League knockout stage will start on the 18th of February. Don't forget to tune into that one and we'll talk about it more closer to the time. Um, moving on to the Europa League, I'm going to say the Europa League tie. As we're not going to lie, we don't know as much about these Europa League teams as we do about the Champions League. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say the match. And I want you guys to give me uh, the prediction of the team you think will win. Starting with Wolves against Espanyol. Davide.
2: this one is tight. I think uh, Wolves, but you never know. Espanyol is a is a good, good team, especially playing uh, uh, at home. Uh, they can stand chances. But
1: I think in the end, Wolves. Phil? I hope Wolves. Eric? Wolves. Yeah, I think Wolves may have a bit too much going forward. Uh, creative talents in Neves and Moutinho midfield with the pace of Traore and Jimenez, a uh, great striker up front. Sporting against Istanbul, uh, sorry for any Turkish listeners, Başakşehir.
3: <laughs> Phil? Um... Sporting, I guess, with their firepower with Bruno Fernandes and the other players already linking up pretty well this season, let's say it like that, because they don't stand a chance against Benfica or Porto in the long term. Sporting.
1: Eric? Istanbul. Oh, controversial.
2: Davide? Istanbul too. They Ooh. they were not so bad against Roma. Actually, they they made Roma suffer, which is one of the best teams in Serie. A. So they can stand chances.
1: Okay, Hetafe Get Ajax. I think we can all agree that will probably be an Ajax win.
3: I do agree. Yep.
1: Phil Ajax all day long. Eric. Yes, Ajax. Okay, uh, the next game is quite a competitive one. I think Bayer Leverkusen against Porto. Phil tight one tight one Um,
3: I would like Leverkusen to squeeze through you know to make it as far as they can in any competition to then you know not bringing home the cup again so they can you know (laughs) give some fresh enthusiasm to their label of um, Fizekusen yeah I would like Leverkusen to go through but if I'm honest it will be Porto Eric Uh,
0: tight Porto win
3: Davide yeah I agree Tight portal win.
2: Copenhagen against Celtic, David. I
3: really hope Celtic. They
2: have
1: I think we all hope yeah. Celtic. Phil?
3: Well that's not really a question. I'm, I mean I like Celtic so much, of course.
1: Celtic please. Eric. Celtic. Okay. Apwell Nicosia against Basel. I'll flip the coin and say Basel.
2: <laughs> I don't know anything about the two teams, sorry. Which which coin?
3: Which coin? <laughs> Phil? Which
1: one was the second team? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, to our faithful audience, this is the first episode that we haven't scripted for a while and you can probably tell. see <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nicosia against Basel. Uh, Basel. Eric? Basel. Nice city. Yeah, um, it is. <laughs> okay. Um, Cluj from Romania against Sevilla. Eric?
0: Sevilla.
3: Phil. Um. As I root for Real Betis, Ballon-Pierre <laughs> I'd say the other team. Cluj. Cluj. <laughs> yeah, I know. Davide.
2: Well, Cluj already kicked the Lazio out, so they they stand
1: chances. They're not a bad team. I would say Cluj. Yeah. Okay. Um. Next game, big game, Olympiacos against Arsenal. Eric.
0: Um. Well, this is a bit complicated. If this run of form of Arsenal continues into February, I'd say Olympiacos. But if Arsenal sort out their managerial situation, who knows? But I'll go for Olympiacos.
1: Olympiacos are at home at first, um, which will give them a clear advantage. They're very good at home in Athens. Phil, what do you think? As I predict the January transfer
3: window to be an absolute soap opera and drama at Arsenal (laughs) with the whole managerial situation at the players... I'd say Olympiacos. Okay, Davide? I agree. Arsenal is chaos. I mean, they are just
2: replacing uh, their, their assistant coach with Manchester City's assistant coach. Uh, it, it's just a mess. Uh, I would say Olympiacos. I see very difficult Arsenal can, um, can find some balance this season.
1: They do look strong this season, Olympiacos. They gave Tottenham, um, they gave Tottenham trouble twice in the group stage, especially at home. Um so I think Olympiacos could uh, is it even an upset anymore if Olympiacos go through I don't know. Um but yeah I'll go for Olympiacos as well. Next game um AZ Alkmaar against LASK of Austria who I've never heard of. AZ? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um Phil Alkmaar. Eric, I'll go with Alkmaar <laughs> because we know nothing about the other team. <laughs> Um, the biggest game of the lot, Club Bruges against Manchester United. Eric? Uh,
0: okay, United, come on. I'll not banter this time.
3: <laughs> Phil? Well, objectively, United, but... Subjectively? Yes, and because um, the other team is uh, the favourite club of my mate, Ben, I would say Bruges. And we we should uh, invite Ben to the pot now, officially, to talk about this tie and maybe the Belgian league as well. So Ben, you're invited now. Davide, Club Bruges or Manchester United? I think it's all, uh, all in uh, United's
2: hands. United is uh, the, the better team uh, between the two. But many, 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 too too many l- bad performances this season. So I would say United, but never know.
1: If- Top, if United against the top six turn up United will win comfortably if United against Newcastle turn up Club Bruges will win 5-0 that is my prediction <laughs> <laughs> um, Ludogoretz against Inter Milan Davide
2: I, I really hope Inter I mean uh, the, the only problem uh, here as well would be underestimating the, the opponent, underestimating the trip to Bulgaria in, uh, in February, uh, maybe playing uh, with some uh, reserves I really hope uh, Inter uh, f- finally starts playing uh, decent Europa League matches because I'm I'm fed up with seeing uh, the the team playing uh, with youngsters, uh, not giving uh, enough importance to this uh, to this competition. So I I hope Inter, but I'm skeptical.
3: Phil. Well, it depends on the title race in the Serie A, I guess, but I will definitely say Inter.
1: I'm going to say Inter as well. Eric? Inter. Okay. Next one is an intriguing one. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt against Red Bull Salzburg.
2: Davide? Extremely intriguing. It really depends by the the transfer market. If Salzburg keeps the, the majority of the players, they... They had in the in the Champions League. They can make it. I would say Salzburg, but you never know. You never know what's going to happen in January. If they sell some important players, maybe to Leipzig as well, then uh, they
3: it can be an easy one for Frankfurt. Phil, so, well, they will definitely sell Arland as he already was in talks with uh, Leipzig United and uh, Borussia Dortmund. All confirmed. And now he has the choice between, um, yeah, three clubs. Um, (laughs) But to give you a little background of the uh, German view of the supporters of Frankfurt, they are um, very firmly against marketing clubs like Red Bull. They have uh, shown their disagreement with their involvement in, in club football before with leipzig and they will show that with salzburg again and as they are kind of the brother club of uh, chimie leipzig i would always say eintracht frankfurt as they are one of my favorite clubs from from germany
1: eric uh, salzburg had a great group stage um narrowly missing out to liverpool and napoli um very uh, quite a few exciting players um who do you see going through in this one
0: Where is that? I think it's a Japanese forward, Minamino, right? Who's probably going to Liverpool. So they should be selling a few players. But hey, I'll go with Salzburg just to make Phil happy.
1: (laughs) I love you too, mate. (laughs) (laughs) The next one is also a very, very high-level Europa League match. Shakhtar Donetsk against Benfica. Davide? I would say Shakhtar
2: mainly because uh, playing in Ukraine in February is a, is a mess for everyone
1: <laughs> definitely Phil
3: yeah definitely Benfica I guess um, Chartier, um they always have kind of a run in the Europa League but at the end I guess Benfica is in better form and
1: has the better players Eric Benfica okay just three more to go uh, Wolfsburg against Malmo Phil.
3: Malmö. They were very, very good in the group stage, and um, there was kind of a motion picture-like end to the career of uh, Marcus Rosenberg uh, when they played the last game of the group stage, and he scored twice, including an injury-time winner. So uh, I, I'd go with Malmö. David? Yeah, I'd go with Malmö too.
0: Eric. Malmö's the supporters that want to kill Ibrahimovic, right? After the hammer bit Malmö,
2: come on,
1: Malmö! <laughs>
0: yeah, I'd go with Malmö. Okay. Um,
1: Roma against Ghent Davide. Roma, unless they keep uh,
2: having injuries. <laughs> if someone comes back, uh, Roma. No, no doubt.
3: Phil. Roma, of course.
1: Eric.
0: If they don't sell Zeko, then Roma.
1: And finally, last but not least, Rangers against Braga. Steven Gerrard's Rangers um, impressively made it through to the next round of the Europa League. Phil, what do you think? Can't be objectively. Uh, although I, I, I definitely support
3: Celtic when it comes to Scotland, um, I want Stevie to be successful. So, Stevie. Davide?
2: Yeah, I think Rangers have the better team. So... Although I will support Braga, because I love Celtic, I think Rangers will make it.
1: it would be interesting. Um, of course, these games will be played. The first legs will be played on the 20th of February. Um, it should be interesting. Moving along now, and we're going to talk about managers who hold symbolic value for teams, but who turn out really not to be brilliant managers in reality. Um, we're going to use the example of Jürgen Klinsmann, who's moved recently moved to Hertha Berlin. Um, Phil, I, I know you idolized Klinsmann as a player, but as a manager, he, 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 had, he, had, um, he had time at Bayern. He coached the US national team. you think he's there just because of his name?
3: Well, I think so. In a way, yes, it's because of his name. But in another way, no. And I'm keen to explain that. Um, Jürgen Klinsmann, I think, is the perfect manager for a national team a team that comes together every other month, every couple of months, every three or four months, sometimes even. And then he can, you know, push those players and and get the best out of them, you know. And he's a very good motivator and he, he really understands how the brains of football players work as he was such a great player himself. But at the end... He's not good as a club manager if he has not a Yogi Löw at his side who is doing the tactical work. So for Hertha, I think this time he will give the players what they need to finish as good as they can until the end of the season. But I don't see him as a long-term solution. And I'm pretty sure his connection came with his son playing for Hertha as third-choice goalkeeper last year. And he signed um, Arne Friedrich, the former German international, as his, um, I think it was called project manager or something like that. So very, very much Jürgen Klinsmann, very much 21st century. And he has Andreas Köpke, the former German international, who was the goalkeeper of the team that won Euro 96 in England as he's actually the goalkeeping coach of the German national team, but he is kind of now on loan um, at Hertha, fixing that hole. If you look at this this team of, of coaches and at Kleinsmann, there is no Jogi Löw I can see inside of that team. So my prediction is if he can give the players the motivation and energy to really, really, really give everything, at least for the shirt, which is sometimes missing at Hertha, then they can, you know, rescue their season. But at the end, Jürgen Klinsmann is a symbolic figure for some club like Hertha BSC Berlin. And I don't see him at this club beyond next summer.
1: Very interesting. uh, Davide, what is it about these managers? You, the, we we talked before the podcast about certain managers who walk into big jobs. Clinsman so was at Bayern. Um, Gattuso now maybe is a good example um, at Napoli. Um, how does it happen? Obviously, we just talked about the symbolic worth of these managers. But do, do managers like this really deserve jobs at the top level with so little experience? And if they do have experience, it's been largely failures.
2: Yeah, I mean, Gattu. I can kind of understand the choice of Gattuso because uh, uh, Napoli wants a uh, a coach that maybe not uh, the best tactically, because the team knows perfectly how to play, since uh, playing together with Zidri, playing together with uh, uh, Ancelotti. Now they want someone uh, who rebuild uh, the confidence in the players. I don't think it's going to happen because confidence is not the problem. But I can, I can kind of understand the choice of Gattuso, someone who almost forces the players to do what he wants. I don't understand the choice of uh, other coaches. I will, I will be controversial here. Claudio Ranieri, how come he keeps on getting jobs for also important teams like uh, Roma? He had a job uh, for Juventus. He had a job for Inter. He had a job of Chelsea, Valencia. Except... Uh, the miracle with Leicester, he had an extremely poor career. Think about it. He had uh, two promotions in Serie A with Cagliari and Fiorentina. And then what did he win? A League Cup with Chelsea. A Coppa Italia with uh, Roma. A Coppa Italia with Fiorentina. That's it. In nearly 30 years of career. Career coaching uh, big teams around, around Europe. I really don't understand what's with these
3: coaches. That constantly get uh, important jobs uh, that go beyond their ca- their capacities. Well, the most the most famous example is actually, and he succeeded so much, is Franz Beckenbauer. He never aspired to be a coach, like not really. And then they he kind of had to take over and was asked, as he's this kind of godlike figure in German football. Um, and then he, he won the World Cup. He reached the final twice in a row, 86 and 90, and he won Italia 90. So it can be very successful, but at the end, these, these managerial symbolic figures like Maradona, like Di Canio, they just don't work out because they, they never really learned how to be a coach and you can be the best man, man manager in the world which Jürgen Klinsmann actually is but if you don't have your Yogi Löw your assistant coach your tactical genius it won't work out in the long term no not in the long
2: term definitely but going back to Gattuso's choice uh, for for Napoli this is definitely not a, a long term choice I, I mean i don't see it as a as a long term choice uh, Napoli cannot play with Gattuso for more than uh, eight months I can't see him staying with Napoli the next season
1: definitely Eric we could draw like we're talking about Gattuso he's coming in in a capacity to try and motivate the players at Napoli and we can see that we've seen that so many times in the Premier League as well the the same in my opinion mediocre managers the likes of Mark Hughes the likes of Roy Keane the likes of Tony Pulis, um, they keep getting jobs in the Premier League or the Championship purely because they're good at either avoiding relegation or getting promotion and not much else. Uh, Why do you think this continues like this?
0: It's possibly just a lack of options or new managers coming through. Gattuso wouldn't put exactly in the same bracket as uh, people like Hughes and Allardyce, basically because he's just started his career and he was at Milan uh, when Milan was basically a mess. So he could he have done better, obviously, but maybe this Napoli job is a big job which might push his career forward. Who knows, you know, there's a lot of talent there and someone like Ancelotti, it's a good man management, but is too an excellent tactician. Things seem to just not work out so well. So maybe that's his chance. Um, yeah, there's lots of comparisons. We have this in Brazil also. Uh, Palmeiras wanted to go for Paolo, which was like a new manager in Brazil. He did really well with Santos this year. Uh, Sampoli rejected it because there's rumors that Jorge Jesus might leave Flamengo at the end of the year. Uh, so they went for a full with Luxemburgo. It's the fifth time that Palmeiras has signed Luxemburgo the last 20 years you know Luxembourg has won a national championship with Palmeiras with Santos with Corinthians he's been a great manager but uh, you put people like him Abel Braga uh, Mano Menezes Philippon they all seem to land these big jobs and they're just tactically out of date so we need new ideas in football and
1: hopefully more people come forward definitely i think i think going back to the example of the english managers i named i think p- particularly the likes of mark hughes who was at city he was at blackburn he was at southampton and he was pretty mediocre and i mean i, I still can't believe he got the man city job um and it was entrusted with so much money um you can see by his tr- the transfers he signed none of them really worked out and it's just it's just crazy, as you said, Eric. How how these managers continue to continue to be employed. I think, especially in England, there may be there may have been in the last few years a a lack of really good coaches. Um, but I think we're seeing more and more good coaches now, in, coming up from the Championship um, and League One. You see, the Cowley brothers um, did so well at Lincoln. Now at Huddersfield, there are I think more and more British managers, which will hopefully make these. Football dinosaurs a thing of the past.
3: I will throw another name into the mix. sven Guren Eriksson. What did he do apart from his time at Lazio? Nothing.
2: Absolutely nothing.
3: Absolutely nothing. Well. He qualified for a World Cup with one of the biggest nations um, uh, in, in world football. That's what you want to say? That's an achievement, Jack? That's no achievement. That's the least he should do. With such a nation. I mean, look at the teams he had. Another manager, a world class manager, could have made that England team, that England team. We all know which players we are talking about. He could have made that England team at least go to semi finals or finals. So I think the poor choice of managers is the fate. Of the English national team, and Sven-Göran Eriksson is a big part of that.
1: It's very interesting. I'm 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 not really aware of er- uh, Sven-Göran Eriksson's career. I know he was at, was he at Lazio, Davide. Where else was he? Yeah, he won the league.
2: Roma. He won uh, he won the league uh, with Lazio in, uh, in the year two thousand. He was, yeah. Except the 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 years uh, with Lazio, I don't remember anything special from him. At the beginning of his career, he was uh, with uh, Roma, but. Nothing uh, exceptional, just an average coach. I think he he's almost the same uh, career as Ranieri. A miracle, something. Well, What? Well, okay, no, Lazio Scudetto wasn't really a miracle because the team he had was uh, uh, incredible. He, he had uh, Vieri, Veron, Mancini, Crespo, Crespo. <laughs> Mihailovic, Nesta, Peruzzi, everyone, Stam.
1: Pavel Nedved, was he at Lazio at that point?
2: Yes, yes. Nedved was uh, still uh, playing for Lazio, so he had a, a phenomenal team. He That Lazio was insane. Uh, and not winning the title would have been something crazy, but winning the title was just what you expected from that team. That's the only Lazio team I ever liked. Yeah, that was... I mean, they played. They used to play so well. They had the the amount of talent. They 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 have even considering just Mancini and Veron playing together was was a joy. Was it was a joy to watch Mancini and Veron playing together? Definitely.
1: So yeah. Um, moving along now, we're gonna do our weekly top eleven, and this week we're gonna do top eleven football movies. Um, there have been some great football movies in the past, um, which we're gonna mention. There have also been. Some pretty dodgy football movies, um, especially some sequels. <coughs> goal. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start. We're going to start our top eleven with goal. <laughs> we'll start with goal. Okay. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't have a script.
0: Right. Well, goal uh, was a guy, a Mexican immigrant. Um that wanted to play in the big clubs so he was trying his life out he did a trial with newcastle it kind of worked and didn't work out uh it's a complex story in the end he made it but it's a really interesting story it's about you know all the difficulties that players do when they go overseas try out a different life Uh, when they're far away from their family Uh, and I'm sure you Phil could give a wee bit more of idea because you actually watched the film (laughs) you
2: you almost described the Ali Diaz story
3: (laughs) okay Um, yes I thought you watched it too because it's Newcastle but I guess you have to focus on not being so so poorly in the Premier League you can't watch any movies
0: absolutely
3: Goal, yeah, it's a very Hollywood story at the end, and it's I think it's American made even. He's Mexican. He's basically just playing uh, Sunday League in the states, and then an agent from Newcastle sees him play, and you know he's a special kid, blah blah, etc. He comes to Newcastle, has problems, and so on, and um, yeah, as as Eric told the story pretty good, um, but. The good thing about that movie is how close to the club and to the players this first movie was made. I mean, apart from uh, Gavin Harris, you could see Shearer and I think at that time even Cloyvert and those players. They, I mean, they really shot scenes together with the actors, and um, they made this kind of motion picture work on the on the pitch and. We have seen a lot of crappy recreational scenes of, of football being played in movies. But this one was good because they used the camera techniques at St. James's Park and other stadiums in, 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 in high fixture Premier League movies and kind of included him into those matches, those real matches. You can see Steven Gerrard winning a tackle and in the next scene you're seeing him running by. Santiago Muñez, I think, was his name. And um, I think that was pretty exciting to see it like that. And uh, with modern technical advantages, we could do really, really great football movies. But I have no idea why nobody is interested in that because... Let's face it it's the biggest sport in the world and we're talking about it weekly so why are there no really really good really good football movies when you look at the when you look at the special effects and everything so um I guess it's down to Hollywood not being too interested in what l- they like to call soccer
1: I I know it's also down we we're living in the age of the football documentary now with Amazon Prime and netflix showing us kind of exclusive behind the siege footage of of so many different football clubs so i think that could play a part um i'm gonna go next and this is a film called uh jimmy grimble um i used to watch this with my dad when i was very young um it's kind of a late 90s film about a kid who's bullied at school um he's a man city supporter and he's bullied by everybody else at the school who supports united um this was back in did you like it because you were the bully (laughs) (laughs) I, w- I bet he was the bully. I, I, he was the bully. He's he always bully, just so.
3: acts nice. I bet he was terrible as a kid. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: Back
1: then, I would have just felt sorry for City, but now City are just feeling sorry for us. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he he against the odds, he gets a trial at Man City and becomes it's the classic happy ever after story. Um, but it's a really nice kind of heartwarming film. Um, it's not particularly well known in the UK but it's a great kind of niche football film that's definitely worth a watch, um, especially if you if you have maybe young children or a younger brother who's really interested in football. It's a kind of nice, heartwarming, idealistic kind of, not a Christmas film, but something that will, something heartwarming for this time of year, maybe. Davide. I just
3: decided, I just decided I will watch Jimmy Grimble instead of Home Alone this year at Christmas. There we go.
1: (laughs) There we go. For all you football fans out there sick of the same old Christmas. New tradition, everyone. For all the football fans sick of Christmas movies, Jimmy Grimble is the one to watch this Christmas. Davide, excuse my pronunciation here. Um, L'allenatore nel pallone. L'allenatore nel pallone.
2: Repeat with me. L'allenatore nel pallone. (laughs)
1: <laughs> L'allenatore nel pallone Good. You don't hey. have to do
3: the accent <laughs> <laughs> So this is a very valid
2: okay. reason for everyone uh, to start learning Italian L'allenatore nel pallone is one of the most uh, famous And one of the most important movies uh, in Italy It was made in 1984 So right after the, vict- the World Cup victory Everyone uh, was uh, on a buzz for, for football and this was the first experiment in Italy in which uh, professional players uh, actually had very small role. So we can even see an, a very young uh, Carlo Ancelotti playing uh, alongside uh, the, the main actor, which is uh, Lino Banfi, a very famous uh, uh, Italian comedian uh, from the 70s to nowadays. I think he just uh, stopped working a couple of years ago, but he's uh, in his 80s. This is a movie about football, about italy about italian football and about all the italian the, the typical scams that italian people uh, uh, try to do try to, to do to survive two, two fake agents uh, even um, convinced that the, um, the coach of this fictional team called uh, longobarda to fly to brazil uh, to sign uh, junior to sign junior with uh, with an autograph of the player and, and then they ended up assigning a young talent uh, that m- made, a, made a storm in Serie A. Yeah, like, told like this uh, maybe doesn't sound very intriguing, very interesting, but trust me, it's hilarious. That, that movie is hilarious. Even uh, people who don't like football uh, uh, normally love that movie. And there's a reason why after 35 years, it's still one of the most uh, loved movies in Italy. So remember, L'Allenatore nel pallone.
3: I hope there's a version with
1: subtitles.
2: I think so. Yeah, I think you can find the uh, subtitled versions maybe on Amazon uh, or or stuff like that. Uh,
1: we us at Game of Thrones, we do not condone illegal streaming. Of course, uh, never. Sorry, I don't. Never
2: heard about that. That shop. Never, never heard about that. Um, that exactly.
1: You should never, kids. Kids. Don't illegal stream, do drugs instead because illegal oh, no, streaming no, no. is very bad.
2: Oh, no, no, no. Fire, fire, it
3: kills
1: football. Bioc- never,
3: never done that. We're, we're so, so loyal this to is- the state and to the law. Fire, Oh, no, no, Should do we beep that. that? Should we beep that? <laughs> <laughs> nah, 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 nah. This is, uh, uh, this is an over-18 yes. podcast yes. here, so...
1: And I made okay. Alvaro Recoba's brother laugh, so... <laughs>
2: I've been I've been laughing for the la- for the last fifty two minutes. Okay. We're moving
1: along now. Bend it like Beckham. Gonzalo
2: oh, for Phil, a beep this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bend it like Beckham Phil, a, a, a British classic.
3: Yeah, actually it is. Um sweet story. And to me the most important thing is it made a stand for women's football, which is important and it obviously kickstarted Kira Knightley's career. Sweet movie very idealistic as well. But I love it. Um,
1: the message is great. And um, yeah. Everyone, I think, knows that one. Definitely. Um, Eric, The Damn United. Absolutely great film.
0: Yeah, it's really good. Uh, this one I've actually watched. Um, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's based, That helps, Eric. I know, I know. Actually, it actually gives a bit more context when you watch it. <laughs> but yeah, it's a clash basically between two different styles between uh, Leeds United of Don Revy and the derby of Brian Clough so Don Revy used to have a real physical side, they had good players but they used to be that really strong side that just basically beat other teams Uh, then Don Revy left to go to England after Alf Ramsey didn't qualify for the World Cup and Brian Clough went in but because of all the animosity that they had and all the fighting back in the days of Leeds United against Derby, he didn't last a l- long, at the club. I think it was less than two months, or 44 days or something like that, I can't remember but it's a really good manager and it just shows a different style and Brian Clough after leaving Leeds, he then went to Win a European Cup with Nottingham Forest.
1: Twice, I think. Indeed. Mm. Indeed. Um, moving along now, The Football Factory, which for me is the worst hooligan film I've ever seen. Phil.
3: Well, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but I guess that's um, just down to taste. Well, it, that one kickstarted Danny Dyer's career. Um, especially for a brighter audience outside of the UK. Then they followed up with the documentaries about um, real football factories. Um, I think it's a it's a funny movie, but still has a has a message to tell, and at the end, is anti-violence without you know pointing the finger, without doing it teacher style, and or preacher style, which is even worse. So, I like it. It's funny. Give it a try. If you don't like it, well, that's your
1: problem. <laughs> and we're actually going to talk about a good hooligan film now. Green Street is... It's, I want to say Green Street is so bad, it's good. After Lord of the Rings, Elijah Wood was looking for something to do. So what more natural transition to go from Hobbit to American journalist who falls in with a crowd of West Ham United football hooligans? I, I think many british football fans will remember this from their teenage years there is a bit more of a story than the football factory it's 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 still i think it's still terrible but it's i don't know it's a bit more watchable um but i definitely it's a classic It, it it's a trashy classic it, it it is it is it is a good story i do i do think the storyline is good um if, if phil i know i know you're a big fan of uh particularly the actors in the film
3: well uh particularly one actor actually um, that's Charlie Hunnam I think he's great um, his Cockney accent not so much <laughs> but I think he's a great actor um, he evolved in one of my favorite actors and one of the most liked actors now in Hollywood even he, he had a big Netflix movie with Ben Affleck and some other action heroes um, not too long ago and, um, very very good actor and if we're talking about him Green Street hooligans will not show you how good he is. Watch Sons of Anarchy, even if you're not into, I don't know, motor, bicycle clubs or whatever. Great, great actor. And it gave me as a teenager, it gave me my first connection to another English football club. And I started to follow West Ham United a little bit after that. But I think and I think a lot of um, Hammer supporters will agree. If 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 the Hammers are not your first team, a lot of the magic for me was down to the stadium, was down to the East End, was down to to all the tradition surrounding Boilin ground. And yeah, that's gone now. So a little bit of the magic is gone for me because I'm not a real supporter.
1: Okay, moving along. Uh, Davide, Captain Tsubasa.
3: Yeah, this is not a movie,
2: but the best cartoon ever ever if you didn't grow up if you didn't grow up watching captain Tsubasa, then uh,
3: y- your childhood uh, was uh, lost because uh, you never tried a tiger shot jackie never tried one <laughs> no i haven't it will rip the net apart not only the net uh, i remember breaking walls as well and if you're very good at gymnastics you just should stand on the top of the of the bar, of the bar. <laughs> you know the goalkeeper who stands on, on, on top of the bar. And then you know then he can like cat-like reflexes. He he I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's super crazy, but at the same time, it's awesome and it's so football. And I remember all of the names. I remember almost all of the names, you know, Wakabayashi, um, the goalkeeper, Tsubasa Utsura obviously the hero of the story and it goes so far that they show you japan's qualification and how they played the tournament 2006 in germany they have world cup editions and movies from tsubasa everyone who wants to introduce their kids to football show them captain tsubasa definitely indeed uh phil your next one is will ah cute little story um I like this one because it's about the two thousand five Champions League final in Istanbul, and Small Will is um, a Liverpool supporter who went to uh, he went to to a monastery school, and for three years, and then the Reds reach the European Cup final, and his father passes away, and then he wants to fulfill his dream anyway, and Steven Gerrard and Kenny Dalglish have guest appearances. And it's a, it's a cute, cute little movie. Um, it's f- more for kids, I think, or for family than for, for diehard uh, football ultras. But
1: it's a cute movie. Don't, uh, don't assume that football ultras don't like cute movies, too. <laughs> OK, and to finish off the top 11, we're joined by uh, uh, Basti. Hi, Basti. How are you doing?
4: Hey, mates, I'm fine as I'm on holidays now and I hope you're all right, too
1: and i understand there are three movies uh, you'd like to talk to us about today um first of all when saturday comes
4: when saturday comes it's from 1996 and is it's a kind of a mid-90s jamie vardy story about uh, a non-league player who worked a day and spends more time on booze and sleeping around than fulfilling his talent uh however uh, he got uh, a trial at his favorite club sheffield united and yeah if I would tell more I would uh, spoil it too much so yeah just give it a go and and watch it yeah the film isn't without the odd cliche but it's pretty good and yeah it's pretty good for a movie about football I would say two movies sorry <laughs> and finally um purely belter uh the film is from 2000 and it's about two teenage boys who try everything to get the money together for a Newcastle United season ticket. um yeah, and given given that uh, the prices for season tickets in the Prem are ridiculously high, maybe some of you, especially Palace grandson, can relate. <laughs> thank you for joining us, Basti. See you soon, mate. Thank you again for having me. You always remember your first time, and so will I. It was my first time in the top 11, so thank you, lads, for that. Uh, have a great Christmas time with family and friends, everyone, and yeah bye-bye see you next time
2: okay um that's all we've got time for just let me add just let me add uh, one thing Uh, we had our top 11 but we we didn't have uh, the coach of this top 11 the coach should be shaolin soccer shaolin soccer is the 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 most crazy football movie it's basically a, a live version of captain Tsubasa with ninja powers
3: oh yes I totally insane. forgot about Shaolin Kickers <laughs> that's the most awesome kung fu mixed with football movie kung I've fu, ever seen it's hilarious hilarious so I loved it actually, I really loved it forget the top 11 <laughs> just watch Shaolin Kickers at Christmas <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay um, that's all we got time for um, Game of Thrones this week um, thank you all for joining us thank you Eric
0: thank you <laughs> great episode Uh, see you all later
1: Uh, Phil
3: thanks for joining us today man Ah, cheers mate was a pleasure again and yeah uh, looking forward to adding another trophy to the cabinet
1: and last but not least Alvaro Bricoba's brother Uh, thank you very much for joining us today
3: thank you everyone Uh, good night uh, and uh, I hope
2: you have uh, as fun uh, as uh, listening to the podcast uh, as much as we had uh, recording it he found another (laughs)
1: nickname Uh, he found another nickname (laughs) Uh, And they won't stop there don't worry (laughs) <laughs> um, I never got forget... one
3: so I'm, I'm super f***ing curious <laughs> wait for it wait and see well we should think
2: we should think ab- about uh, a nickname for Jack as well
3: oh yeah 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 we will find some yeah, yeah. Let, let it let it flow naturally mate
1: <laughs> don't forget to follow us on our social media channels Facebook Twitter and Instagram um, and join us for all the latest um, episodes and we shall see you next time goodbye from Game of Thrones.
4: Game of Throwings.
0: Game of Throwings.
4: The Football Football Podcast.
0: Podcast.